to take your Bibles. We have two passages of Scripture. The first one is our theme verse for this month. The theme is greater. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. We're going to read that. And then I want you to take your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, however you read the Bible. I want every person to turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. This morning I'm going to read one, verse number 9 for emphasis sake. But I want you to stand this morning in the honor of reading God's word as we read 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4, and Luke's gospel chapter 7, verse number 9. And the Bible says, I didn't say this, right? This is the Bible. This is God speaking. This is God's word speaking to us today. And the Bible says, you are of God. Now, the only way that you are of God today is if you're born again. And the only way to be born again is to have a personal, everyone say personal, personal relationship with Jesus. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. You've overcome. Listen, if you're a believer today, there's some things that you've overcome. You might not have come overcome everything in your life, but there are some things that you have overcome. They overcame. The people that John was writing to had overcome opposition, obstacles. Actually, they had overcome false teaching and false doctrine about the person of Christ, another spirit. You've overcome them because he who is in you is greater. Everyone say greater. Greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, I want you to look at Luke's gospel, chapter 7. And uh, for emphasis, I'm going to read verse number 9. Long story here. We're going to go into the story in just a moment. But the Bible says, when Jesus heard these things, heard these things about a particular man who was a centurion, a Roman, a Gentile, he marveled. Everyone say marveled. He marveled at him, and he turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Everyone say great faith. Not even in Israel. This morning I want to talk to you on this idea, living a life of greater faith. Living a life of greater faith. Everyone say greater faith. Greater faith. This morning we're going to pray for one of our fellow churches right here in the community. I got a text in between services that Pastor Ronald Murthy over at New Life down in uh, the downtown Sanford community has passed away. It was unexpected. He was 67 years of age. And we're going to pray for New Life Church. Pastor Murthy has been an icon in the Sanford community. If you've lived here for any period of time, you know that. We're going to pray for that congregation, for his wife and for his family today. Will you join with me as we pray for our fellow brothers and sisters at New Life this morning? Father, I uh, thank you for the life and the ministry and the testimony of a man by the name of Ronald Murthy. God, he lived a great example of a lover and a follower of you in this city. He was a beacon of light. God, New Life was a beacon of life in this community. He stood tall in community meetings and public meetings. I, I was with him at times, God, and I see, saw his demeanor and his humility and his love for people and love for you. And God, that church today is reeling, and God, they're in shock. And I just pray for them today. God, I pray that you'll bring the comfort of your Holy Spirit. God, that you bring comfort to that church right now, God. There's just a sense of a gaping hole in their hearts. And, God, I pray that you will bring strength where there is no strength today, God. You'll pour out grace where they need grace today. God, I pray that you'll protect that church. I pray that their vision and the future that you have for their future, you've already got it planned out. But, God, you'll lead them and guide them, Lord, in these next coming days, weeks, and months. We bless them. We thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ in this community. And we bless today New Life Community Church. Now, Lord, for every person that's here today, we come into an agreement. Give them a spiritual ear. Give them a spiritual ear. Not to hear my words, but to hear your words. God, to, not to see what I see, but to see what you see. 
God, I ask this now by the mighty and the powerful and the wonderful name of our Savior Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever had a problem in your life that wasn't your problem but became your problem? <laughs> Come on. Anybody ever had that before? Every, anybody have a problem in your life that wasn't your problem but it became your problem? About 10 years ago, uh, my family and I, we decided on Christmas Day, it's kind of our tradition on Christmas Day. We don't do it every Christmas, but we've done it for quite a few Christmases. We'll leave Christmas Day, and we'll fly, fly, fly to someplace. And uh, uh, 10 years ago, uh, we decided that we were going to fly to Seattle, Washington. It's where we came from. My sisters were still living, and I still have two sisters and a bunch of nieces and nephews that live in the greater Seattle community. But we were going to fly back to Seattle. It's where we came from, to Plant City Church. And we were going to fly back, and we were going to do Christmas with one of my sisters. And so my sister had planned this elaborate meal, and she was so excited to have us, and we were so excited to go, and we got on the plane Christmas Day. And normally when you fly on Christmas Day, if you've ever traveled on Christmas Day, normally the reason we do it is because it's just a really easy day. I mean, it's just kind of casual. Well, we flew out. We went to see my son and his wife up in Connecticut this, this past Christmas. And let me tell you, it's no longer like that. I mean, it was crazy in Bedlam. But, but 10 years ago, it was kind of quaint. And we got on the plane. I was looking for an easy trip to land in Seattle. It takes about a seven-hour flight. And, and so we flew from here to Dallas. And we got to Dallas. And uh, when we, we, we were waiting to board the next plane, we got noticed that there was a slight delay. Wouldn't be too long. There was some issue, and there was a slight delay, and planes have delays all the time, and so it was going to be a 40-minute delay, and, and so around 30 minutes, you know, the time clock moved. It was no longer a 40-minute delay. Now it was going to be an hour and 10-minute delay, and, and so, you know, people, the natives are starting to get a little bit restless. You hear a little murmuring. People are going to miss their connection and that kind of thing, and, and then one hour passed by, and two hours passed by, three hours passed by. By this time, people are like furious. They're up at the ticket counter. I missed my mail. Christmas is ruined. It's your fault. I want it for you. You know, people are just going off the rails, and people are flipping out. And 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 they explained to us that there was a mechanism or some part broke on the engine or something like that, and they had to fly it in. And, and it was difficult because planes weren't flying within a normal flight schedule for the airplanes. And so, and so this problem, this airline problem became my problem. You understand that today? Their problem became my problem. And so, you know, first you're kind of agitated, but then you just kind of settle in and, and, you know, we were playing games and people are just sprawled out all over the place. And, you know, we're thinking by, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, by six o'clock, they're coming and they're handing out free meal coupons to all the restaurants that are in that other area. And, and I mean, the people are really agitated, but you know, it's seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, Christmas is gone. Way gone, <laughs> 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, yeah, yeah, it's all, now, now we're into the next day. <laughs> One o'clock in the morning, they make the decision that they're going to put us all in hotels. Now, someone else's problem became my problem, which became someone else's problem. And the fact is, we all have problems in life, everyone here. It's just a guarantee. It's not if you have problems, but it's what you do with the problems that you have in your life that makes a difference of whether or not you become a victim or a victor in the journey of our faith in Christ. God desires for every person to live a life of greater faith. Now, the story that we're about to go through this morning is a very familiar story if you've been in the church. It's the story of a Roman centurion. 
It's a man who demonstrates a very uncanny, very unusual faith in his life. And he becomes a hallmark. And here's the problem with familiar stories. Here's the problem with stories that you've heard, especially if you've grown up in the church since Sunday school. Oh, yeah, blah, blah. I've heard that. I know that. No, 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 no. We need to stop. We need to listen. These stories took place in real time. These are real people who had real life issues, who had real problems, and they took place in real time in their lives. It just happened to be 2,000 years ago. Now, this concept of faith is an interesting concept to me. It's something the Bible says that without faith, we can't please God. I mean, it is by faith. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. You can't have a personal relationship without believing in God. But what does faith really mean? Now, most of you in this room can give me a definition of faith. You can say, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, you know what it is. It's faith. Like, yeah, I know it's faith. But what is faith? Come on, right? Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. There's a lot of concepts and definitions, but what is this faith? Well, the, the actual Greek word is pistuis, and it simply means a firm confidence and trust in that God will do what he said he's going to do. It's a firm confidence or trust in a God who said he will do what he's going to do. It's confidence. It's assurance in God, believing God, knowing God, expecting God to do what he said he's going to do. I love the way Rick Warren says it. Rick Warren says it like this. Faith is learning to see and live all of life from God's point of view. That's what faith is. Faith is learning to see all. Everyone say all. All of life. Now here's a challenge. I don't know about it for you, but for me, to live all my life as a life of faith. We all need to be encouraged. Every person in this room needs to be encouraged. Someone asked Kathy Truitt, who was the founder of Chick-fil-A, they asked him, how do you know if someone needs encouragement or not? He said, are they still breathing? <laughs> you need to be encouraged today. We all need to be encouraged. If we're going to experience a greater 2019, we need to be encouraged in our faith. And the guy that we're going to look at this morning is a Roman centurion, and he's over an area called Capernaum. Now, this area, i just got to tell you, this area really struck a fascinating chord in my life because I had the privilege with a group of people from our church, we had the privilege of actually going to this town. There's a couple, uh, Eddie and Heidi Fernandez, and uh, you put that picture, oh, there you go. They're at the Capernaum. They call it the hometown of Jesus, but everywhere you go there in Israel, every place is the hometown of Jesus, you know. But, but Jesus actually ministered. Much of his ministry was based out of this community. Peter, James, John, Matthew, and Andrew, five of Jesus' 12, came from this little town, this little village town on the north end of the sea or the lake of Galilee. Small little lake. You know, we call it a sea. You think of a sea, you think of the Atlantic Ocean, you think of the Gulf of Mexico. No, no, nothing like that. It's a small, it's like 13 miles by 7 miles. Not a great big lake. 650 feet deep, but all around it is the center of life for the people of Israel and the people of Syria. And so, and so Jesus is going to go to this town. You see, today we recognize that problems are universal in our life. We recognize that problems are universal in our life. 
The Roman centurion that Jesus spoke of, that he marveled of his faith, had a problem. I want you to look at verse number two with me. Can you put verse number two up on the screen for me? The Bible says, and after Jesus had entered into Capernaum, he had just ministered about three or four miles away when they call the Sermon on the Mount or on the hillside, just on the northern end of the shore, just very close to this town. Jesus had just preached there to thousands of people. And the Bible says he leaves there and he enters into this tall, small little town where Peter's house is. And when you go to this little town, it's a, it was discovered, uh, rediscovered in about 1830s. It's been excavated, and, you know, they've had all the guys out there, the little brushes. And it's, it's a really remarkable site. But they actually believe they've identified the house that Peter lived in. They believe they've identified the house that Jesus went into and healed Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty unique spot. There's a synagogue that you stand in that was actually built by this Roman, this particular synagogue that you, that's left wasn't built, but the one previous to that, they literally built on the foundation. When you're standing there, these stories come to mind, the story of the centurion. And the Bible says that there's a certain centurion whose servant was dear to him, was sick, and ready to die. Now, centurions were special people. Pastor Esteban, there's your word again, special. They were special guys. They were smart. They were intelligent. They were fast. They were quick. They captained about 100 people. They had been given authority. They had been given authority by Tiberius, the governor or ruler of, uh, of this part of the world. They had been given authority to keep the peace. And listen, there was no, say, ACLU. There were no community groups watching the centurion. These guys did whatever it took to keep people under control. I mean, they had complete authority. They whacked people. They knocked people. I mean, they did whatever it had. It was, they were going to keep people under control because Rome wanted to keep the taxes going. They didn't want no rebel rousers messing anything up. So this guy had a lot of authority. He was like the police chief with a lot of power, a lot of power. He was a special guy. And the reason he was special, because he wasn't appointed by Tiberius, or he wasn't appointed by some general. He was nominated or elected by his fellow soldiers. So he's a bad dude. He's a tough guy. He's been in lots of battles. He has no problem taking you out. Everyone said, no problem taking you out. He's a tough guy. But there's something different about this guy. There's something unique about him. He has a servant who was dear to him. He's got a problem. Everyone said, I got a problem. Now listen, now, his, it wasn't necessarily his problem, it was someone else's problem, but now it becomes his problem because he needs this servant. Uh, one of our staff people was sick last week. They were really feeling bad. And I said, I'm praying for you. And we brought her in here and we laid hands on her because we need her to be healthy. We have work to do for the kingdom. Come on. I mean, it's just true. You go, well, that's the kind of me. No, it's true. I need you healthy. God needs you healthy. This centurion needed his servant healthy. There was work for this, for this servant to do. He had a problem. I want you to hear 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12 says, My friends, don't be surprised at the terrible trouble which now comes to test you. Don't be surprised that things happen. Do not think something strange has happened to you. You know, this guy, this guy has a, ser a servant who's very, very special to him. Now, how do you deal with problems in your life? How do you deal with problems in your life? We have two choices today. We can have fear about the problem that's in our life, and that causes all kinds of consequences and problems, other problems, or we can have faith. This man had faith. But the opposite of faith, the opposite of faith is fear. And fear is a lack of trust in God. And we all experience it. 
One of the barometers of my life to really kind of see where I am in my relationship with God is how I handle and address problems. And many times problems in my life, I exaggerate. I don't know about you. We've all done it. We've all seen something that looks big, and we just make it bigger than what it is. But sometimes we underestimate the problems of our life. Sometimes we look at a problem, it's no big deal, and nah, we're just going to go. And it's really a big deal. We need to deal with that. We need to deal with that tire that's starting to show metal. Yeah, no, bad. we'll go another couple thousand, you know, come on. You look at that fuel gauge, and it's way down to the end, and, and you're not sure if the gauge is accurate or not. Right? You're pushing it. You've all done it. We've all done it. Come on, right? You know, we, we, right, it's not a problem. Well, yeah, next thing you're on the side of the road, and it's a problem. Or your tire's flat on your side of the road. It's a problem. But we can underestimate. We underestimate them. But many times, for me, I find that I complain. And this is what I've discovered. I'm complaining because I'm discouraged or disappointment. And dis- disappointment and discouragement leads me to the next step of doubt. And doubt always leads to a place of defeat. But that's not what God has for you today. God wants you to have a greater 19, greater 2019. God wants you to grow in your faith. I want you to grow in your faith. Now, problems are universal, but God has a solution for every problem that's in our life. Hear me today. When you look at this man's life, you look at the centurion's life, what you see about him is that he takes a proactive step. He takes a proactive step. What demonstrates this guy's difference, what causes Jesus to marvel is that Jesus Jesus says this guy does something unique. He takes a faith step which is proactive. Faith is proactive. In other words, you're not just watching it happen. You know, there's three kinds of people. There's the people that wonder what happened. There's the kind of people that watch it happen. And there's the kind of people that make the difference. And the centurion was a guy who made a difference. The Bible says in verse number 3, I want you to see this here. The Bible says, so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. I want you to see that first phrase there. When he heard about who? Come on. When he heard about Dr. Phil? When he heard about Steve Harvey? When he heard about Joel Osteen? When he heard about John MacArthur? No. When he heard about who? Jesus. He heard about Jesus, the Son of God, the one who died on the cross and was risen from the dead on the third day for your sins and for my sins. He overcame. He did greater in his life so you and I could experience greater in our lives. You heard about Jesus. See, Jesus was a miracle worker and a, may, a way maker all the way back then, 2,000 years ago. He's the one who made a way where there was no way for you to have a personal relationship with God. And he'd heard about the miracles. He'd heard about the signs. He'd heard about the wonders. He'd probably heard about the man that had been brought right here in Capernaum. He'd probably heard the story about the guy that was lame and his four friends couldn't get him into the building to see Jesus. So they tear a roof off of a, uh, off of a building and drop him in. That miracle took place right there. He heard about Jesus. What I want you to hear today is order, in order for you to take a proactive faith is that you have to be in faith. And the way that you get in faith 
faith as you get the Word of God in you. You get Jesus in you. You not just hear about Jesus, but you meditate on Jesus. You begin to think about Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says it like this. So faith. Everyone say faith. Firm, confidence, trust, seeing the way, seeing things the way that God sees them. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news. Everyone say good news. The good news about Jesus Christ. So he hears about Jesus, and then he sends these guys. He sends these elders. Now, this is a very unique situation because for the most part, the Jewish people, and especially the Jewish leaders, and the Roman leadership, the centurions and the military people, they didn't get along very well. But they needed each other. They needed to. They used one another. And this particular guy was a smart guy. He was a smart politician. I mean, he was a good guy. He knew in order for him, he, he wasn't looking to stir up trouble. But if he would have just gone up to Jesus, this Jewish teacher, if he just went where I don't, he would have offended these Jewish leaders because why did he go to them? Why did he go to them? He would have offended them. And it just wouldn't have been the right protocol. He was a proper person. He was a proper person. It wasn't the right protocol. So he sends these leaders of the Jews to go beg. Everyone say beg. The word there is literally plead, to beseech, to implore. I mean, he's, they're there and they're begging. And I want you to see why they did this. I want you to see why they did this. Look at verse number four. And the Bible says that when they went to Jesus and they begin to beg him earnestly, saying that the one for whom you should do this is deserving. For he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. Did you hear that today? He loves, he's not, a, he's not even a follower of Yahweh, at least that we know of. But he sees something different about the Jewish faith. He sees something different specifically about Jesus, but there's something attractional about the law of God. There's something attractional about the word of God. There's something attractional to him about the way that the Jewish people are living, who are monotheistic and worship one God and not polytheistic and have all these contorted weird deist, all kinds of polytheistic gods. No, he worships, they worship one God. He loves the Jewish people and he builds them a synagogue. He takes his time, his resources, his guys, and he actually invests in these people. That's an amazing leader. You see, he's already built goodwill. He's already built goodwill. He recognizes that he can't, if his servant's going to be healed, and he can't figure out how to go to a doctor and get him healed, but he hears about Jesus, he needs someone to help him. He needs an intercessor. He needs someone to stand alongside of him. And let me tell you today, some of you in this room, you've had a problem that you've been carrying far too long. Pastor Glenn opens up the altar call, and you just stand there, and another year is going to go by, and your child is going to be far from God, not knowing him. Another year is going to go by and you're going to be stuck in the same trap and the same sin. You're going to be stuck in the same mess. Another year goes by and you got the same lack in your bank account. You never have quiet enough. You got the same relational issues with your spouse or with your kids. Another year goes by. You know why many times? Because we're not willing. We're not willing to find someone else. Say, you know what? I got a need in my life, brother. I got a need in my life, sister. Will you pray with me? Will you implore Jesus on my behalf? Will you beg? Will you go before the master for me today? It's why we have this prayer time. We ain't doing it to be cute or quaint. We're believing that the God of miracles, the God of the supernatural, who answers and hears the prayers of his people has never changed. And where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in their midst. And whatever they ask in his name, he shall hear. Hear me today. Hear me today. This man excelled. He's excelled in the foundations of faith. 
which is knowing the Word of God, delighting in the Word of God. He excelled. Our pastor, Pastor Wendell, used to always talk about excelling in faith. It wasn't just about water baptism. It wasn't just about doing certain things. It was really excelling in your faith, excelling in your time in God's Word, excelling in your time uh, of, of spending time with God in prayer, excelling in your time of, uh, of generosity and giving, excelling in your service, taking it seriously, excelling in every dimension of your spiritual journey. Because what happens then, what happens when you begin to excel in your faith, the foundations of your faith, when a problem comes, when hell comes into your life, you don't freak out. You don't run. You don't be like Ephraim. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, God, what am I going to do? No, no, no. You begin to realize that greater is he that is in me. Come on, greater than he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's greater. He has greater for you in 29. His faith was proactive. He sowed good seed. He brought others alongside of him. James chapter 2 says it like this in the same way. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action. You got to have action. In Financial Peace University, they, one of the lessons, they talk about getting free from debt. And so they have you actually come to the class bringing your credit cards. And they have scissors. Now, you walked up to this process, but at some point in that class, in the financial peace class, you cut up your credit card. Do you know what you're doing? You're taking a faith action. You're saying, I'm not going to live in debt any longer. I'm not going to use debt to, to debt that I, or future that I have no promise of, I'm not going to use today to pay for it. I'm going to trust God. He's going to supply and meet all my needs according to his riches and glory today. He's the God of the right now. Yes, he's the God of my future, but he's the God of right now. And he's the God of more enough, more than enough in my life today. Come on. He's more than enough in your life today. This man acted. He acted on his faith. Faith without works is dead. Come on. Some of you, it's cut off the cable. Come on. Somebody just put the cell phone down. God's speaking. There's so many different ways in our life that God wants. He's requiring us to take that step of faith. Everyone say faith. So his faith was preactive. He asked Jesus. He asked Jesus. He asked Jesus. Someone once said that good works won't get you into heaven, but good works will for sure be rewarded this side of heaven. He was generous. He sowed seed. The law of sowing and reaping is whatsoever a man sows or a woman sows, that shall he also reap. The third thing that I want you to see is that this faith understands our true position. In verse number 6 and 7, I want you to see what happens here. Then the Bible says, then Jesus went with them. Oh, i got to stop right there. i got to stop right there. Jesus went. They pleaded. They implored. Jesus went with them. I want you to hear this today about Jesus. I want you to hear this about Jesus today. There is no God. There is no other God like our God. His name is Jesus. There is no other God that cares for you. There is no other God that loves for you. There is no other God that died on a cross, took the penalty of your sin, that took the penalty of your shame upon himself so that you could have life and life more abundantly. Jesus loves today. God is love. Yes, he's a holy God. What attracted this man to Jesus, but what I believe ultimately attracted this man to Jesus is that when he saw him, he saw eyes of love. And Jesus, the Bible says, he went with them. Do you know Jesus wants to come to your need today? Do you know that Jesus wants to come to you? He wants to have relationship, fellowship with you. He wants to talk with you. 
He wants to spiritually break bread. It's what communion is about. It's not just taking a little wafer. It's just silly. You know, we just got everything so systematized in our culture, but it's, he wants, he wants to have a relationship, personal relationship. He wants you to taste and see that he is good. Jesus went with them. Acts chapter 10, it tells us the mission of Christ. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, with power. And he went around doing good. Everyone's saying doing good. He went around doing good. God wants to do good for you. God wants you to believe for good in 2019, but God wants to be there for you and do good for you. Healing all who are oppressed by the enemy. There's a real-life spiritual battle in your life. There's a battle for your family. There's a battle for your family. There's a battle for your spiritual life and your own spiritual journey. There's a battle for your friends. There's a battle for your local church. There's a battle for your pastors. There's a battle for your community. There is a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Hear me today. The enemy that we fight is not an enemy of flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. There's a real life spiritual battle. Jesus went around doing good and he healed all. I want you to see this. Then the centurion, the Bible says, verse number six and seven. The centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. Whew. I'm not worthy. I, I, I mean, it's hard for us because, and, you know, we recognize God is in us and we're king's kids. But compared to God, he is holy. He's got a love, but he's holy. Sometimes we get so flippant with God, way too casual, way too comfortable. No, no. And when this man encountered Jesus, he's like, mm, I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy for you to step under my roof. I'm not even worthy. Don't even, I, I don't even need you to come here. There's another way. There's got to be. You're, you're so holy. Uh, what I've found many times is that sin in our life separates us from God and causes shame. And, that, and that's, this man was a sinner, but he recognized that there was someone greater. He was a sinner. He was a Gentile. He wasn't part of the house of Israel. He wasn't born again. He didn't have the Spirit of God in him. No, he didn't. He just didn't. But he understood that there was someone greater. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. First Peter chapter 3 says it like this. Humble yourselves. Everyone say humble. You know, when you get on your knees in prayer at an altar, or at a chair, side of your bed, you know what you're doing? You're humbling yourself. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time, Everyone say due time, in due season, he may exalt you, he may lift you up. God wants to do good. God wants greater for your life in 2019. This guy had himself in the right position. Everyone say position. He positioned himself. Because he was in the right position, he was in the position of humility, the position of need, the position where he couldn't fix a problem. He needed a way maker. He has a bold request. He has a bold, bold request. Look at this next verse here, verse number 7. And the Bible says, he simply says to Jesus, Jesus, don't even come to my house. Just say the word. Everyone say, say the word. Say the word, and my servant will be healed. Speak the word. Speak the word. Jesus, Jesus, we just speak your word. We declare your word. God, we speak your word into my circumstance, into my situation. It's so easy to speak the problem. Come on, it's so easy to speak the negativity. Man, it's 24-7 on your news channels. It's driving me crazy. I can hardly even turn it on. 
It's like, but no, no, that's not, that's not what brings solutions. What brings solution is when you start to speak God's word. Say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. Say the word. Come on, say the word. Everyone say, say the word. Say the word. Speak the word. And the only way you can speak the word is you got to know the word. You got to know the word. Today, this man had a bold request. He knew that Jesus was the only solution to the problem that he had in his life. That this servant may be healed. Jesus, I'm not worthy. Simply speak the word. You know what he had? He had expectation. He had expectation. He expected God to do the impossible in his life. He had an expectation that if Jesus simply spoke the word, the supernatural, something would happen in his servant's life that he couldn't do. He'd be healed. He'd be healed. He had expectation. Expectation. There's something about expectation like believing God, trusting God, having an expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do that motivates, it moves, it, it astonishes God actually when people actually do it. It was five years ago when City Church at that time was located at 650 East Airport Boulevard. Uh, we had been at that location for about nine or ten years at that time, and and uh, and we had felt a stirring. Our leadership, we had been praying for greater. We had been praying for enlargement. We declared Isaiah 54 that God would enlarge our tent and he would strengthen our stakes. We, we were declaring that. We were believing it. Everything in that property was just, we were outgrowing it. All of our ministries, all the youth ministries and the kids' ministries and the school, everything had just outgrown. And our kids, our spiritual kids were crying for more room. And I was sensing, when we moved from Seattle to Central Florida, I had no idea to ever be in Sanford. But I knew that God had something greater for us. But, you know, uh, I didn't know what it was. And we prayed and we sought the Lord for a long time. We looked at different opportunities. And, and I began to sense and realize that God was stirring. I was really getting agitated. One of the ways, you know, God's speaking to you is feeling agitation about something. And I recognized that we needed to do something. And this building, this building that you're setting today, the local church that was in this building at the time, the leadership had had some challenges and the church began to shake. And I, I'd met with the pastor and they were trying to sell the property. And I talked about a price and it was just, at that time, that was just, it was just unbelievable. So for me, it was just way out of the realm of anything that I could imagine. And over the next couple months, you know, we kept looking, but it, I, we kept coming back to this property. And so I picked up the phone. By that time, this property had gone back to the bank. And, and so I picked up the pro phone, and I began to talk to the banker and began to try to negotiate. And he said, you know, I go, oh, well, just make an offer. So we made an offer. For me, that was a big offer. It was the most money. I mean, I, I just, it was, it, was, it was a greater faith. Everyone say greater faith. I didn't know how we were going to do it. We were crunching numbers and trying to figure it out. And inside, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do this. There were some guys on our team, oh, I don't know, you know, how much debt do we currently have, and can we really do this? And I, and I just inside of me, I remember one night, I said, you know, guys, we didn't have any money when we came here. We, every step we've ever taken, we just simply believe God to provide and be our source. But I sense that God wants us to do something. And so I, we had dinner this one particular night with a couple in our church. I'd heard their story. They just had an amazing miracle story in their life of how God works supernaturally. And, and, and Rich and Marianne Santos, they'd been in our church for a couple of years, and my wife and I had never broken bread with them. And so we went to Red Robin up here, and we began to talk, and she began to just share, and he began to share their story, how God had worked, and they have just an amazing story, just an amazing story. 
And as they begin to share, I begin to share our vision and our heart. And she said, well, Pastor, what's our next step? You know, our, our building's too small. We, we need to take another step. And I said, well, you know what? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. And so I, I drove her up to this property with Rich. And as we pulled into this property, she began to shout right there in the car. I mean, she said something inside. That's our property. That's our property. I believe it. I know it. She, we got out of the car. She opened the van door. She jumped. She ran to the front door. She's at the front door. She's like a little girl, like a little girl Santa Claus just showed up. She's like a little girl up there going to the ice cream store. She's like, this is our property. I declare it in Jesus' name. I believe it. I know it. God spoke to me. And right then, something in my spirit, I knew. I knew that God had called us to greater, to do something greater, to step forth in greater in him. See, there's an expectation. There's an expectation that we have that if we're going to have greater, we're going to experience greater in God, we have to expect God to do only what he can do in our lives. <laughs> and there was a great reward. There was a great reward in Matthew chapter 13, which is the parallel story. It's the parallel story, the same story told in another chapter, another, another book of the Bible. Then Jesus said to the servant, go, let it be done, just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. His servant was healed at that very moment. God has a great reward for you today. What are you believing God to do in your life in 2019? What greater work? Come on, all of us have something that we got to believe that God, it might be our business. We want to see God do greater things. What are you expecting God? What things are you expecting God to do in 2019? Maybe it's a family member that needs you. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be restored. Maybe it's finances in your life that have been crooked and sideways and in lack. And God wants this year to be a year of greater, expecting him to give you the grace and the strength. Let me tell you, you don't get miracles by God because you do everything right. This man was a Gentile. According to the Jewish law, he didn't deserve it. But let me tell you today, God did miracles and worked signs among him because he simply believed. What are you believing for in 2019? Come on, give God a hand right now. Give God a hand.